0: You're listening to the Loveland Strong Podcast, sharing stories of struggle, endurance, and hope for the people of the Sweetheart City. How's it going, Loveland? We've made it back to the Loveland Strong Podcast, where we share stories of struggle, endurance, and hope for the people of the Sweetheart City. My name is Bryson and Lilly, and I've got a very timely interview for us today. It's the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and goodness, looking outside, there's a lot to be thankful for. It's a stunningly clear and crisp day. No more smoke from the Cameron Peak fire, which has apparently been put out. And it seems like all is as it should be. Well, aside from the rising COVID rates and many people I know not having family get-togethers tomorrow. But other than that, things are pretty darn good. I know it's not that way for everyone, which we're going to hear in plain terms with our interviewee today. My guest that we'll have in a couple minutes is Glory Magrum, the Director of the House of Neighborly Service here in the Loveland area. It's our local nonprofit that specializes in giving out food, clothing, emergency services, and things of that nature. She's going to share what her organization has been through in the last few months. And just to prepare you, some of the statistics she shares are just plain startling. I mean, at one point she says that the usage of the services over at HNS went up fifteen hundred percent in a month. I mean, holy cow, talk about mind-boggling numbers. And the story she's gonna relate to you about lines around the block, about families coming in for assistance who've never needed assistance before. They've always been self sustaining before now. I don't know if you've ever been in that circumstance in your life. I hope not, but all too often it strikes. But when you're in those hard times, you know it's sometimes very hard to ask for help. You sacrifice a lot of pride reaching out. You need to be vulnerable when you ask for assistance. And that's something that we, as particularly as Americans who like to think of ourselves as self-sufficient, strong, individualistic, those Emotions, that opening of yourself for another person to come in, that's something we don't like. So, my hope is that this will help you emotionally connect with some of the stories you're about to hear. Empathy is a quality that's sorely lacking in our society right now. So, see what comes up when you put yourself in the shoes and situations of the people you're going to be hearing about. Most of all, though, I just hope this interview inspires you, that you learn about the community of care, the great safety net that's out there for people who are falling. There are so many wonderful people waiting to help catch you, people like Glory and her volunteers, some of the best people you'll ever find work in organizations like HNS. And when you hear the scope of what they're doing and everything they're enduring, I pray that you can't help but feel encouraged, hopeful, and uplifted, all while feeling a sense of wanting to join in. See if there's any way you can connect with the needs you're hearing about in this conversation, folks. It's been a few weeks since I was able to sit down with Glory for this chat, but I'm pretty sure the needs of H S and and of Loveland have not changed. There's still a lot that can be done out there, and with COVID rates spiking and uh, the county levels increasing in size and scope going up the color meter, I'm betting there's still more that can be done, more needs out there. In fact, that's a pretty good rationale for connecting once more with glory and to hear how the Loveland community of care is doing as we head into Christmas. We'll see if we can get that interview up a little quicker than this one did. It's Christmas time and I'm a pastor, so no guarantees, but I'll try my best. Now let's go ahead and get into our conversation. This interview was recorded on October the 13th, 2020 via Zoom. Have with me today, Glory Magram of the House of Neighborly Service here in Loveland. Glory, thank you for joining me on the podcast.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for asking me to join you.
0: Please, kind of introduce yourself, if you would. And uh, since House of Neighborly Service is such a vast organization, if you could kind of give an outline of what they do, too, that would be helpful for some of our audience.
1: Well, I have been the executive director at the House of Neighborly Service for 15 years, um, been with the organization for 20. And as many of you know, we were created 60 years ago, uh, come January, by our faith community. So the churches, um, which is typically where people go in times of need, um, 13 pastors came together and said, you know, do we, are we really making a difference? Um, I don't know what you're doing at your church to help people. And um, we don't know where, who's using our resources. And so they had the vision to create um, one local place where they could refer people, pool their resources. It would really be a very well-defined way of serving and they could um, truly make the services in our community go farther by the accountability factor. So, I actually, um, my family's always been philanthropic. We've lived in this community since 1973, raised our children here. Um, we loved to uh, go out and serve at some of our nursing homes. My children have done service programs there. We did food drives through our churches. But it wasn't until I started volunteering at House of Neighborly Service in 2000 after my youngest went off to college that i really saw the depth of the services that happened through hns i knew that they provided food because we had donated food and i knew they provided clothing because we had donated clothing but all of the other services and their education programs and their partnerships in the community i really saw that this was a gift to the community and and I just have to applaud the vision of the pastors. I truly feel like every community could benefit from having a, a local place where they can just make this type of comprehensive referrals and then services provided.
0: Well, I'll echo an, a word of just wonder and wow about what HS does. I've served in. A few communities now as a pastor, and I don't think I've ever come across an organization quite as comprehensive as yours. I mean, each community has a group that kind of does uh, food and clothing and yours. I, I forget how many organizations are currently in your building. Isn't it like 16 or something like that? Uh, I forget.
1: <laughs> the original vision when we shared this with our community leaders was we hope to bring 12 nonprofits together. We now have 21 and we're just building out some more space to bring four more in. So, uh, the vision just continues to grow. We do, we've been in Birth It as well for 30 years, but I've met with some other pastors from back East and there are two life centers going up in Pennsylvania, um, with the same model. So it's just a wonderful model of, you know, people, services coming together to make it more accessible, but then also we share the overhead, which, allows our dollars to go so much further
0: yeah and the coordination that's allowed i mean not only more efficient but it's just you get all the one of my mentoring pastors would call it the bright-eyed the passionate people in one place and when that many bright-eyed people are in one place you can't help but be a hub of innovation change and many good things
1: yeah yeah, it's really wonderful. It's, it's great to meet with a family. Um, I'll just use this as an example. It's not a real situation, but somebody comes in for food and we're talking to them and we find out, oh, they're late in their utility bills. And then we find out that they're behind in their mortgage. And then as they might come in a second time and we hear that their child is struggling with school and oh, well, we've got speech and reading therapy here. Would you Would that help? We've got tutoring volunteers. And so it just kind of, you know, the whole avenue of hope You think about offering someone hope that's in a desperate situation. One organization is not the answer to all.
0: It's so powerful when people come in and they need that sort of hope. And you can say, what sort of hope do you need? Do you need housing help, food help, clothing help, tutoring help? I mean, each one of the organizations that is under the H&S umbrella in your facility is a form of hope. And to be able to bring all that to bear, it is just a very powerful thing.
1: Uh, kind of our tagline to the life center is life center inspiring hope mm. you know it, it's just it is remarkable much like when someone finds a church and they find a home and they find a church family it just instills this strength in in them and in their family when they come here and their initial crisis is met but then there's so much more that we can do to help them remain stable and stay housed and and help them with their children, which is always on the heart of a parent. It's, uh, it's a really a beautiful thing.
0: So you've wonderfully described kind of the broad reach that is HNS and love to hear a little bit more about how you fit into it. Uh, I heard you say that kind of this philanthropy background is in your family, in your genes, uh, uh, definitely <laughs> part of who you are. So w- where did that come from? Why are you so passionate about giving back to people?
1: Well, that's a good question. Well, my parents were in the ministry, they were ministers, um, 50 plus years pastoring a church. I grew up in uh, Southern California in a little community called Northridge, which is where John Elway is from, by the way. So we share that city. (laughs) And um, so I, I think I saw from that perspective The the fact that I said earlier, when people are in need, they typically go to their local church, whether they're a member there or there's just an open door, that seems to be sort of a refuge place for, for individuals. So I always saw that there was just sort of this role that the faith community plays in meeting people's needs. And then when we moved to Colorado it was not on my radar at all it was more of uh, you know I had a career and then we started the family but then you're starting to look at your children and you want to raise your kids Mm -hmm. to have that heart of compassion for people and so um, we began to work with our youth groups and school groups and started to sort of instill that giving back to people and serving people and then from that I think the awareness came of what resources were in our community and truly there's so many more now than there were even 20 years ago but hns was always one that we could partner with and do those food drives and those clothing drives so when when i was looking for a place to volunteer that was one of the first places on my radar i started volunteering in the clothing room and uh, was just so impressed as I still am today with all that uh, our volunteers bring to our programs. They truly are the heart of HNS. We have over 200 volunteers that volunteer either here in Loveland or at 137 Homeless Connection, um, out in the faith community through Family Promise, which was formerly Angel House. And then now in our birthed community as it's grown, And uh, so I I love the whole volunteer aspect. Very small staff, lots of volunteers is just a really good model for any organization. Churches as well is is how that goes, as you know, Pastor Bryson. Mm -hmm. And and then I was so privileged to be invited to come on staff. So I've worked in almost every department at HNS. I've worked in the clothing room, I've worked in the food room. I was a caseworker for many years I was lead caseworker. I worked in the data management, bringing you know all the grants together. Then I became the assistant director, and then finally I was asked to apply to be director and chosen. And it has been, it has been a privilege of my lifetime to serve here. I've met so many people, the pastors, which you know pastors come and go, and so there's this constant relationship that has to be built and and uh city leaders come and go and and going out in the community to service clubs and meeting people that have uh, i tell you what so many have served through hns as a volunteer they've served on our board or they've been a client here sometimes donors become clients and vice versa clients get stable and go into careers and now all of a sudden they're a donor and it's just it's just such a, a hub in so many ways uh can you
0: share what it's been like lately How has that what are you seeing in the families who are coming in for help now uh, I, I guess another way to phrase what i'm wondering is how is the covid slash economic depression slash racial unrest slash every issue we're going through i mean uh yeah. i could keep listing them how is that affecting the families who are coming in for uh, assistance at hns and how, how is it affecting you and your employees?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm very happy to say that we are, because we're a part of our county's emergency plan, we're a part of our city's emergency plan, we've been considered an essential service. So we've not had to shut down a day during the entire COVID since March. But on March 16th, we um, had to adapt quickly and we moved all of our services outside, because we knew that if families didn't feel safe, they were not gonna come seeking help. So we were able to do that and um, we've had to adapt, we're probably in phase 12 now. (laughs) We just have to keep adapting. (laughs) Our governor had put moratoriums, which means a hold on um, all of our utility vendors in the state, on uh, uh, evictions from landlords. So we had a season from about mid-March to the end of June, where our main focus was food. Um, So we doubled up on food. Our community was bringing in more food and we were able to give more food and they could come in multiple times a month. And we really focused on that. And but we were we were building to this expectation that when that moratorium lifted, there were going to be people who were in arrears by many months on their utility uh, uh, needs. And so we were communicating with Excel and with our city of Loveland and birth and water and all of these. And when that finally hit in July, our services increased 1500%. And we had lines outside here for people who were being referred to us from the utility vendors who had never sought services before. And what was so interesting, and it always is, like during the recession and during the, uh, the fires and now during this crisis, people who have never sought services before, they, they think they're going to pull it together. They think that we're going to be able to handle this, and they get right down to the, the deadline of their shutoff, and then they'll call the, the vendor and try to make a deal, and they'll say, go to House of Neighborly Service. They are there to help you. And so that's what's happened a lot is people show up They're sh- They're going to shut off tomorrow. Yeah. And to, for us to be able to say we we have funding. So unusual funding has become available through our city and county that has never been available before. And we're able to catch them up on four to six months of utilities. If they just walk out of here literally crying or jumping for joy and has that been a beautiful thing for us to be able to be a part of. And so I have to say, it's, it's just been our honor to serve through these months and to meet new people. Overall in the last six months, our services are up 500% overall. Wow. And our numbers of people served is up about 64%. So our staff is working hard. Um, March 16th, we had to release all of our volunteers because we had no idea the waters we were heading into. Many of them are elderly and we just said, we just need to release you to stay home. We got a few volunteers from the business community where they weren't able to work. And so we got some folks coming in. We used all of the precautions that we could. And um, now some of our elderly are coming back a little bit at a time. But when we let them all go, it just meant our staff had to ramp it up. They were working longer hours, um, but just joyfully doing so. So it's it's been, like I said uh, in our conversation earlier, it's been an experience we'll never forget. And I can't say that it has um, all been happy and joyful because it's, it's heartbreaking to see what's happening in, in our families, but I do say that it's been a joy for us to be able to serve.
0: Having helped many people in crisis myself, I know when people come in and they are one day away from a a utility shutoff or several of the situations you described, I mean, the emotions of that are intense and the way you describe them, I mean, a 1500% increase in July and uh, all the increases across the board for your your services and your outreach. I mean, each one of those percents corresponds to a person with a story, with emotions yeah. that you had to dive headfirst in. And if, if there's one thing I've learned from doing stuff like that is the emotions they are bringing don't stay with them. It goes to you, and oh. uh, you're affected by that. And it can be draining and hard and uh, – I heard a little bit of it in what you've been saying, but how is that sort of emotional work over and over and ever increasing affecting your staff?
1: Well, of course, you know, that's nothing new for the staff. That's their, that's what they do is all day long. They visit with people who are struggling and in crisis. And I think there's always been this end of day thought that we need to come together as staff. We need to be st- positive on the inside we need to be uh supporting one another you have you hear a sad story share it with somebody go ahead and share it with a caseworker i give you the freedom to take five minutes to talk about this and just encourage one another and i and i really think that's the only way whether you're a pastor, because I know you hear the stories, whether you're a doctor, a police officer, you work at the hospital. I mean, there is there has to be a point of release and saying, mm-hmm. I cannot take this home you know, with me. I've got to leave it at the office. And I think that's something that I, I'll have to say. I think the prayer in the mornings is something that helps us. There's no question that when you when you turn things over to God, it is going to help you leave it there. It's just something we know we cannot carry as a as a human being, um, because we are not the answer to everybody's problem. We can do our part. We can all do our part, and that's what that's what a community is: is that everybody's doing their little part, and we all do a little part, and it it creates like a safety net. It brings stability to a community, to a family, to a life. It's it's that's the beautiful part about humanity.
0: I want to just validate and reinforce what you said here just about expressing grief, expressing your hard emotions. Uh, When you are dealing with situations like this over and over, our natural inclination is to say, well, I can carry this myself. I'm strong enough. I don't want to burden other people. But before you know it, uh, you are weighed down under giant emotional boulders and it becomes hard to move. So what you're saying about finding ways to share that with other people and uh, probably the other ways that your employees are expressing that through, um, through their rest, relaxation, through their hobbies, that is so critically important in a time like this, because uh, we can't do it alone, as I said earlier, and we have to find ways to, to let go of that weight or else it'll break us. So if I had to sum up where hope is in the world of HNS, I would say it's reminding people who feel like they are unhelpable, who are at the rock bottom. It's showing those people, there are so many ways that you can improve so many ways that you can go forward. All you need to do is ask.
1: Yes. Yes. I would agree with that.
0: Yeah. So, how do people in Loveland join into your hope?
1: Yeah, well here, you know, over the last few years, we've um, had, we've been in parades and we've put on our publications, this, this encouragement to our community that together we create a kinder, more loving community. It's together. So whether you are, as I said earlier, whether you are seeking services, or you want to provide resources, or you want to get involved in a volunteer level, there's lots of ways that you can be a part of HNS. And really, the best way is to come visit with us. If you have um, a need, just come visit with us. If you have time on your hands, come visit with us. We'll give you a tour, we'll show you all the many opportunities there are. Um, Maybe you wanna be in the food pantry or maybe you have a heart for serving homeless children or perhaps you're a teacher, a retired teacher that wants to help with homework help. Um, There's just lots lots, and lots of ways that you can get involved in providing hope to people. And and again, I would have to say that you might be, in need right now but next year you will have an understanding and want to give that back so we're just a conduit truly we are we are just a conduit of neighbors serving one another of the faith community finding a safe path to reach people um and and i think right now we all know somebody who's struggling every one of us knows somebody that's being impacted by the covid or the racial disruptions or the fears that we're seeing um we all know somebody who's struggling with something and so our part is to i would say number one be aware of the people around us if we can offer that personal help let's do it sometimes it's not comfortable for you to offer help to a neighbor or a family member especially can be challenging so referring them to either house of neighborly service or the food bank just get them in the door where they can start being supported and and helping with those immediate needs and wrapping around them this this hope that we're talking about i think that's a a, that's something we can all do to bring hope to people
0: there's a vulnerability in what you're saying there. We need to not be afraid to either offer help or to accept help. It's two sides of the same coin.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, it was, it was really interesting. It wasn't until I came to House of Neighborly Service that I began to um, hear the terminology that nonprofits use. Like, I never heard people talk so much about single parenthood. Um, and I realized how many people in my life as I grew up were single parents and I wasn't aware of the challenges. So that's another thing that we really love about our, like our partnership with the school district. We have, uh, classrooms that will come and visit house of neighborly service Uh, and, and they'll like high plains elementary spent a whole day with us the last two years. And we talk about, you know, there are there could possibly be a child sitting right next to you in your classroom. Mm -hmm. You may never know that they're homeless. And that's why kindness is so important um, for us to instill in our children is because kiddos in, in these households are, are, you know, out in the community and and we just want to instill that awareness in, in our own kids that from early age that we can be aware of other people's needs. So I, I love that about, again, I love that about um, our relationships with the community is that, that we um, we can start at a young age and, and all the way up through the elderly, whether we're serving or whether we are the served, we're all in this together and, and we're community.
0: There's so much in what you just said that I love right there. I mean, it's it's about being honest with each other and in addition to being vulnerable, not having shame in where we're at in life if we're in a hard patch we're in a hard patch it's okay to admit that and uh having kids come in and understand that from a young age and learn not to judge people who may be in tougher life circumstances there is immense Mm -hmm. power and immense benefit in that i would imagine
1: so it's so cool to see these kids that all of a sudden the light bulb goes on and then perhaps on their next birthday party they're calling us and they're saying um, my child has just said, instead of gifts, they want us to do a food drive for House of Neighborly Service. And they do. They take pictures and they bring it in. And it's it's like, it's just a mind shift from, oh, I want, want, want to, I want to help, help, help. It's just mm. amazing.
0: It, it's amazing the people who can become the biggest helpers in a congregation, in an organization like h They can often be the ones you'd least suspect, Mm -hmm. Uh, the youngest kids, the oldest members. Uh, When you apply your creativity and uh, your talents and abilities towards helping other people, it's amazing what we can come up with.
1: Yes. And, you know, I would have to say every single person that gives to House of Neighborly Service, whether it's a child that gives one bag of groceries or it's a person that writes a big check or it's that, it's that, so many precious uh, elderly who, who write us a small check, but it comes in every month with an encouraging word. Every one of those is so valuable. And again, it's just all of us doing our part, whatever capacity we have, it's, it's so precious. So I got a
0: couple more questions for you. The first is kind of making what we're talking about here uh, practical. Since hope is joining together and joining in the work, what are the most practical ways that people can help you hope right now? What are some of the programs that need the most attention? I guess you could say.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, we've got a couple of, uh, questions before us. So we're, you know, we're working with, you mentioned you had Chief ticer on recently. Um, there's some concern that as we head into winter, we, and depending on what happens with COVID, uh, we could see a shortage on food. Mm-hmm. Uh, again in the stores so we've been asked can we try to uh, reserve some of our food and our reply is that's going to be a little bit hard because the families that are not every family that gets food from us every month is coming back for that second one we we've really looked at this carefully about 15% of our regular um, people who take advantage of our food program are coming back for the second food basket, but the ones that are truly need it. Mm. Um, and so we hate to eliminate that. And I think there's been a little bit of um, waning on the enthusiasm of food donations um, as we're kind of getting through summer. So food is an ongoing need and we really see that that is gonna be need, being a need through the winter and especially through the holidays. And then also another challenge for us has been our Family Promise Angel House program. With the churches um, not being as robustly able to help because a lot of the volunteers are elderly and we don't wanna put them at risk, we have been um, being very creative in sheltering families. We've received some funds from some of our local faith partners, but we have a campaign on our on our Facebook page, our website I mean um, where families can say we'll pay for one night at a motel for a, a homeless family and so we're adding up those nights as winter comes in so that's another way if you have a heart for homeless families um, you could go on our website and say I'm gonna buy a night and I have to say I won't tell you which motel they stay in because it's confidential but it's it's a nice hotel, it's a very safe hotel for children. And they have given us the best deal. They're giving us these rooms for $46 a night, which wow. is unheard of. Um, and it's, It is a nice hotel, I just want to tell you that. So that's another way that, that we would really encourage people to help, and, and it's an easy way for most. So just go online and, and do something like that. Um, and then you know whatever's on your heart. If if right now you're going through kids' clothes or your clothes, um, just say hey, I can take that to HNS. They're going to give it away. They're not going to sell it. That's a great way. This again is like recycling our neighborhood, our neighbor cl- neighborhoods' clothes, and I love that. Um, so many many ways.
0: But it sounds like you need the basics more than most: food, shelter, clothing.
1: Yeah, always.
0: Well, hopefully, when people hear this, we'll find some people willing to help with the basics for sure.
1: Yes, I, I, I believe that our families, our families are are going to make it through this season. Um, we're going to make it. Again, we just want to ask you to first of all keep us in your prayers. Second of all, help spread the word. Um, we just, we just want to get the word out about all that's going on in Loveland.
0: Last question for you and. This is designed to conclude on a light note. What's making you laugh right now?
1: Oh, what's making me laugh right now? I w- okay, I'll tell you a story. Uh, not to make light of anything that we're going through, but the other day, one of our 25 year volunteers, who we've not seen, we've talked to her, but we've not seen her since March. She came in on Monday And she had this frown on her face. And she said, how are you guys doing through all of this turmoil? And I smiled at her and I said, come on in because there's joy in here. There's hope in here. And she said, I am ready to come back and and volunteer. She's a volunteer caseworker, 25 years. She's been here longer than any of us. So she's coming back. And through that, she's gonna now start Serving that made me just laugh. It was so precious.
0: Here's the hoping we can find many more ways to laugh and to connect yes. into joys in the weeks ahead. But Glory Magram, thank you so much for being with me. And thank you for so so much for all that you and the House of Neighborly Service does for the love community.
1: Pastor Bryson, thank you for this opportunity. It's been fun. It's been a pleasure. I'm smiling just thinking about. Our conversation and and of course I get to see your face and you get to see mine your audience won't but you've got a smile on your face right now and that makes me fi- smile back at you yes, like to see more smiles these days and someday we will we'll remove the masks we'll get to see our smiles again I will give
0: an emphatic amen to that <laughs> But glory <laughs> blessings to you thank you have any of those basics lying around your home, folks? Maybe a pile of clothing in your closet that you're not wearing, some extra cans in your pantry, maybe a spare monetary resource or two. If you do, know they will be well put and well placed with HNS. And again, I'll try to connect with Glory and see how they are doing headed into Christmas here soon. Otherwise, I'd love to know the greater lesson you heard in that interview. As always, please feel free to submit any comments, questions, or anything to our email address, lovelandstrong at gmail.com. I'm happy to converse with you and hear what you thought, or if there are any questions you thought I should ask that I didn't. Love to hear your perspective. For me, I think the greatest hope I took from that interview is just knowing that there is an immense and talented safety net ready to catch people. HNS is obviously the biggest part of that net here in Loveland, but there are several other groups at work. Salvation Army, the Community Kitchen, the numerous churches around come to mind. So there is a net available if you feel like you're falling. Hear that. If you are having trouble in this COVID age, racial unrest age, government inaction age, know there is something ready to catch you. That's a good and hopeful thing, knowing that there's help available. But as I said in the opening, you got to give yourself permission to seek that assistance. Sometimes you got to give yourself permission to hope, if you want to think of it that way. And the permission to hope that you find by trusting in other people, by reaching out for assistance, that's not always easy to do. But if you are in that situation, if this COVID age has wrecked your life, if you're looking at Thanksgiving Day tomorrow and saying, what do I have to be thankful for? I am not grateful for anything going on. Well, first of all, I understand where you're coming from. I'm feeling many similar things. But at the same time, that's where the hope of Glory Magram and HNS and the other institutions like that meet you. It tells you that you're not alone. That hope is there, even if you can't see it. Others do see it for you, so trust in their sight. Open yourself to their help, and together we find hope. Dovetails so nicely into what we've been hearing from Mayor Jackie Marsh and Chief Tyser and Clay Caldwell. Hope comes when we come together. Hope emerges from people interacting in times of need. So this is another way to do that, another avenue that you can use to help make things better. So what do you need to do to take this avenue or the previous ways I've talked about in this podcast? What permission do you need to grant yourself to reach out for assistance? Do you need to hear that it's okay not to be okay? That no matter what problem you're having, there is probably a group at HNS and it's many partner organizations that could reach out and support you. Do you just need to hear that nobody's perfect, that everybody comes up short right now? Whatever you need to hear, friends, hear it now. Nobody is in a good way right now. Even the people who are getting through better than others could no doubt share many difficulties they've gone through. I heard it put this way a couple weeks ago, and I don't know if I've shared it in this podcast or not, but we may not be in the same boat, but we are definitely all in the same storm. So if you're taking on more water than others, call out to some of the drier crafts. We are ready to help you. And I know I speak on behalf of Glory and the other organizations in the area and my fellow clergy people. If you need a rescue, send up a Fleur. We are happy to come by and walk alongside you. I hope hearing that gave you some encouragement, that knowing that other people are feeling the exact same way you are and that there's help for us all, that's certainly something to be thankful for. And it's probably something many people have not been thankful for around the Thanksgiving table before. That in turn brings me to my last hope for this episode, for you all as we head into the holiday tomorrow. I hope that as you experience this Thanksgiving unlike any other, as your traditions are regretfully peeled away, as the people you love may not be able to be present, I pray that in that absence, you will see what matters even more, that the love you do share with people who may be on a screen instead of in person, that the smaller feast you have, even though it doesn't have grandma's famous sweet potatoes on it, it will still nourish you. It'll still fill you to the brim. And if it's cooked by a member of your family, it's still a sign of their love for you. May whatever lesson that's revealed to you tomorrow and in the holiday days ahead be a source of great encouragement and hope for you, my friends. And once again, know if you just can't see it, that hope is still out there. Which leads to my traditional closing message. Look for the hopers, friends. They're everywhere, sometimes in the most unlikely places h is a likely but hard place to go to sometimes. But go there and you will find inspiration. You will find support. You will find what you need. It's like that in many different locations, many different and places. So be looking for it. Grab it when that hope appears and tear into that hope like you're going to tear into one of those turkey drumsticks tomorrow. And please pass some mashed potatoes. Have a good holiday, friends. Many blessings to you. We'll see you next time when I talk to Thompson School District Superintendent Mark Shaker. Until then. The Loveland Strong Podcast is done in association with Trinity United Methodist Church of Loveland, Colorado. For any questions or feedback, please email us at lovelandstrong at gmail.com. Thank you so much for being with us. See you next time.